Hello, and welcome to the Alt Left. Welcome back, everyone, to the Alt Left podcast. This is episode 88. I am your host, Chris, and with me is Matthew Jumbo Johnson, only solo tripod himself. Just us tonight, man. No, no K. Poor guy is fucking beat. Like, this week hit K in the head with a hammer and then bent him over and fucked him with a cactus. See, vaccines don't work. True. True. Oh, God. I hope YouTube doesn't pick that stick. <laughs> <laughs> vaccines work youtube jesus christ yeah vaccines are great we love them please don't cancel this episode like you've done <laughs> so many others because we're telling jokes that you don't get because your algorithm sucks so anyway um the vaccines absolutely work i actually haven't gotten my latest booster yet like i've gotten the, the i've gotten the two vaccines and the two boosters uh i haven't gotten the omicron booster yet and i need to actually do that because everyone should if you haven't gotten one yet what the fuck are you doing go get one don't be lazy like me get your goddamn booster yep don't that's die. the one that just got approved for everybody right yeah it yeah. just came out like, like a month ago same I, I needed to too but that came out like while i had covid so <laughs> i had to wait a little bit yeah super fair yeah i am i am still I am still the gold star lesbian of COVID. I I have never had it, and uh, I'm gonna keep knocking on some fucking wood over here um, that I don't get COVID. But yeah. uh, sorry, and, and and so it's a testament. Uh, masks work. Use them. Yeah. Vaccines are good. Masks are good. And no, I'm not shaming people who wear them and got COVID. Like no, anybody can get it, but. Okay. Don't be an idiot. Wash your fucking hands. Put well, on a mask. That's the thing. It's it, it, anybody that's saying no one is arguing. It's a hundred percent effective. It's always been. We're about reducing risk and reducing harm. That's it. There's nothing out there. Not even fucking condoms and birth control are hundred percent effective. Nothing is. There's always going to be outliers. There's always going to be you know things that buck the trend. That but, is that is one hundred percent not true. You go to Disneyland and have someone have an angry child near you. That is a one hundred percent effective means of birth control. <laughs> if you have never seen a meltdown over a Mickey pretzel, except I me. used to work at Disneyland and dealt with that for a year, and I had two kids, so <laughs> not while you were going to Disney. Not while you're working at Disneyland, you didn't. Still wanted to. Well, all right. Your I have your thesis is flawed, sir. You're a masochist. That doesn't count. You're an outlier. <laughs> That's also true. The data is but that sound. was my but that was my point. There will always be outliers. <laughs> there always will be. The standard deviation exists for a reason. <laughs> COVID is not over. Please take it fucking seriously. Yeah, no one masks on planes. No one masks anywhere in the world. It, it, it's insanity. Everyone got tired of it, and there are no masks. Like I, I, I literally walk around with a mask on when I go to the store, and it's like playing fucking Where's Waldo, finding somebody else wearing one. It's absolutely crazy pants nuts to me. Um, yeah. I hate it and I don't I, I just don't fucking get it um, because it used to be that only the wackos wouldn't wear one and now fucking nobody will because you yeah. know we gotta get brunch back but enough bitching about COVID there's plenty of other stuff to bitch about I wanted to talk not our main topic our main topic we are going to talk about something way more important um, but I wanted to make a quick nod here to what's going on this week with everyone freaking out about Vladimir Putin and I've said this before Putin bad Putin's bad dude He's a bad dude. He's a fucking mobster. He's a killer. He's a bloodthirsty maniac. And uh, I do not like him. And I think he's uh, he's a real fucking piece of work. That being said, the news has been flooded with Vladimir Putin threatened to nuke the world. And it's like, that's 
that that didn't happen at all. And I just want to take a note that, like, remember when you keep hearing news stories about the war in Ukraine, you're literally reading propaganda. No matter what side you're on, if you're reading Russian news sources, you're reading Russian propaganda. And if you're reading American or European news sources, you're reading NATO propaganda. And so when you, if you get, if you like, go take a look at RT and it's exactly the same, but flipped, like go to RT news and, and, and take a read on it. And you'll hear about the glorious leader defending the East from the West, you know, and it's the same shit that we're getting in reverse. And now Putin did issue a threat, right? He definitely, again, I was talking to Matt earlier. It's like he went out there and said, I have bought an ice cream cone for every kitten in the world. And people are like, oh my God, he's a monster. Like, no, no, he made a threat. However, you can take his quotes from this and attribute them to any U.S. president while we're at war, and they would be the same, if not easier. Like, I mean, think of the rhetoric that Bush and even Obama used in the Afghan war and the Iraq invasion, right? You know, I mean, Bush was out there calling things the axis of evil, and we will use the arsenal of democracy and every weapon and resource available to defend freedom around the globe. Like, he was literally saying he'll bring down the hammers of hell, regardless of whatever it takes so we can liberate people who need to breathe. I mean, it was fucking hardcore rhetoric. And Putin basically made this quote saying, if you're going to fucking bring nukes into this, remember the weather van goes both ways. And then he made another one basically saying, if our territorial integrity is threatened, we'll use all available means to protect our people. It's not a bluff. And it's like, I can't think of a single world leader who would not say, I will use all weapons available to defend my people. So yes, did he make a threat? 100%. Putin's a bad dude, and he said kind of an ambiguous shitty thing. But we keep acting like it's crazy and out of line. And I don't know. I Again, I, can you think of a world leader who wouldn't have said something like that in the midst of a war? So the second quote, no. And this is Chris and I were talking a little bit about this as we were prepping for this episode. And then we realized, oh, shit, we should really just have this fucking conversation. Yeah, on the we just stopped the convo. <laughs> um, so the second quote that you've got there, I, I, I agree with you. Um, it's ambiguous. I think it's weird here because I agree with you. It is propaganda. And it becomes extremely easy to understand why they're going there because his first quote was this, this is not a bluff and those who try to blackmail us with nuclear weapons should know that the weather vane can turn and point towards them. And here's the, here's why I'm saying that because not a single fucking person up to this point has said anything about nuclear weapons. No, nobody. Yeah. Nobody in NATO, nobody in the U S nobody in Ukraine, nobody's brought nuclear weapons up now, all of a sudden, because Putin's losing, he's got to look tough and that's the first place he goes. And so the, the clear intent here by Putin is to obviously make this ambiguous so that if anybody ever tries to say he's threatening nukes, which the U S is now doing, because like Chris said, it's propaganda. He can be like, I never threatened to nuke you. I was just talking about defending my country, blah, 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 blah. And again, I agree with Chris that you can very easily put some of these not words words because I don't remember the last time a U.S. president actually threatened nukes publicly like that. Um, but like, I mean, Chris isn't wrong. Like the, the way, like it's everything, but, and like the, the fires of war and hammers of war and shit talk, like 
that could easily be interpreted by any other country as, you know, a veiled threat of nukes because that's what the U.S. has been doing since World War II. Like, the reason no one fucks with us is because we got more nuclear weapons than anyone else. Second, or like the only one second to us is Russia. Like, I get it. So it's like, I, I get why people are going to that spot. I think I agree with Chris. I think it's total propaganda. And I think everything, and this is where I think it gets dicey because this is, I think, Chris, we've talked about this before. This is a perfect example of how propaganda and rhetoric have been traded out for facts because no, you and I are looking at these and we're, we're being very analytical about them. We're like, okay, this is what Putin said. Let's, let's compare this to what other presidents have said in other countries and what they've done. And we're like, okay, at the end, like none of it, I don't think Putin's going to be the one to start a nuclear war. No. But I do think that if the U.S. makes everyone believe he will be, support for Ukraine will increase. And every, all, all the billions that Biden's is just shipping over to this country every single month or quarter are going to keep going because it'll be popular to do so. I just think that we see I, I, that I, First, real quick, I, I literally did 30 seconds of Googling, okay? During the Iraq war, you want to know what we said? You want the quote? Do it. Should Saddam Hussein have any thought that, again, how no one's threatened him, you know, or no one's, uh, you're saying that no one's threatened uh, Putin. Saddam Hussein was never threatening weapons of mass destruction, like ever. In fact, he was saying, I don't have them. Please don't kill me. I don't have weapons of mass destruction. We were saying, yes, you do. Die. And here's the quote that the U.S. chief of staff used. Should Saddam Hussein have any thoughts that he would use a weapon of mass destruction, he should anticipate the United States will use whatever means necessary to protect us and the world from a holocaust. Asked if that included the possible use of nuclear weapons, Carter replied, I'm not going to put anything on the table or off the table, but we have a responsibility to make sure Saddam Hussein and his generals do not use weapons of mass destruction. Like, Well, and this is the point where people that are, you know, simps for the U.S. and will defend it. He's like, well, Putin already, Putin said nukes. He just, he just said, you know, this, and it's like, you're splitting hairs at this point. And to be fair, the the weather vane comment is actually not him threatening. In fact, the weather vane comment is saying, do not nuke me because the fallout will shift around the world. Like, that's not even a saying I'll retaliate. He's literally talking about radiation in wind patterns. As they learned from Chernobyl. Yes, that is, that, that, is, that, is, that is literally a term used to describe radiation patterns. Like they literally, like that was an effect from, that we learned in Chernobyl that infected all of Northern Europe. But regardless of what the threats are, like these were not, by the way, next week I'm dropping atom bombs. And that yeah. is what the headlines are saying here. And yeah. it's like none of it was at all. He was literally saying, don't fucking do it. Don't fucking do it. I'm a crazy man, and I've got the bomb. Again, I, I I know I come off as a simp for Russia on this show, and I'm really not. I just, I, I, I'm, I'm so tired of living in a propaganda machine country, and that's what this Ukraine war is. And everyone around me is just like, Russia bad, Ukraine good. And it's like, Ukraine are fucking Nazis. And Russia is literally fighting a war against the entire fucking world right now. This, everyone's like, oh, well, this protracted war, ha ha, Putin fucked up, and, 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 and look how shitty the Russians are. It's like, well, literally, they're being funded by all of NATO. Like, all of NATO has been dumping airplanes, rocket launchers, fucking artillery, fucking soldiers, money, aid, ammunition, everything. I mean, they are fighting the industrial mobilization of all of NATO, which they were not prepared for. 
they were prepared to go in there and kick Ukraine in the balls and move on. So sure, do they miscalculate that? Yeah, but that's where it kind of comes down to. Why does NATO care so fucking much? It's really interesting how we get state-sponsored propaganda everywhere anytime Putin does anything. And we are just, again, this just feels like Saddam Hussein all over again. Like, I don't like, I don't like simping for Saddam. He was a son of a bitch. He was a maniac and he killed an insane amount of fucking Kurds. Like, he was doing ethnic cleansing in his country. Like, Saddam Hussein was a fucking madman and an evil person. And actually, I don't like saying madman. He was evil. He was not mad. He was very clearly doing powerful, he was doing power moves. But they were evil and they were terrible and he was slaughtering civilians. We had to paint him as this neo-Hitler and that he had weapons of mass destruction and he, he was responsible for 9-11. It's like literally none of that shit is true. And I, I just, we can call someone a bastard without using mass amounts of hyperbole. And it's like, we can say that Russia is imperialistic and what Putin is doing is absolutely a land grab and that Putin's a bad dude without having to shove words in his mouth. I agree. To give an analogy, whenever I'm, whenever right wingers who supported Trump or didn't support Trump will come out and talk about, you know, Biden being slow or Biden having mental health issues, my go to response is like, I agree with you. You're absolutely right. The problem is, is that your solution to that is the guy that eats paste and sticks crayons up his nose. Like, and it's the same thing here. It's absolutely true that Saddam Hussein was an evil motherfucker. And I think Putin's an evil motherfucker. It's just, it's very hard for me to be like, go USA because we're a country run by evil motherfuckers. It's kind of like, yeah, I think they're doing bad things that should be stopped. But if your solution is to stop them with the guys that they're doing, like there are cases here in the U S that, that I think are just the same. I mean, we talk about how awful they are to their, to their um, LGBTQ community out there. Look at how we are towards ours here. Like, does it, does everyone just forget all the horrible shit that we've done to them? I mean, look at the trans community. Like we, what we're still doing to the trans community. Yeah. Like they're getting murdered in the streets. And the only thing Biden's done for them is allow them to go get murdered in the army. Like that's it. Yeah. And God bless the troops. Yeah. Again, it's like, it's so funny how people want to, you know, be insane about like how Russia is so dismissive. And and it's like, you realize that like this country was arresting people for sodomy in every single state, like decades ago. Right. We used to lobotomize gay people a generation ago. Like, it, it's it's not ancient fucking history. Ronald Reagan was like, oh, man, I can't wait for AIDS to kill all the gay people. Like, this, this idea that we're this shining beacon of freedom and hope and joy and everyone else is terrible. It's just like, where, what fucking country do you think you live in? This is not Iceland. This is not Finland. This is not an actual decent country. It's not. It, it, it's it's a fucking land of evil, and it always has been. You know, we've said I've said this before. It, it's built on slavery and genocide. It hasn't cruised much farther past it. And I mean, so this idea, this <laughs> idea that we're allowed to be the morality police—no pun intended—for a run um, is insane. And and that we could point a finger to Russia's imperialism, like we just finally finished the Afghan war. After how many years was it, Matt? ballpark 20 
Like, yeah, it was, yeah, it was 19, 20 years. Was 2001. Yeah. So it's like, right? yeah, it was like 19 years, something like that, right? And then when we finally left, we literally stole all the money in the country. So, so you know, Biden has starved all the children to death. And we're going to talk about Russia's imperialism? It's insanity. So anyway, yes, Putin bad, sure. But pot in the fucking kettle. Like, yeah, like yeah. talk about an ant- actual movement that could use a little imperialistic intervention. Like, I was just saying, one more thing just to add. Let's keep in mind, freaking Ruby Bridges, the first girl to ever go into a white school, the one that had to be escorted by the fucking National Guard with literal grown adults shouting racist slurs and trying to fucking kill her. She's still alive. She's only 68 years old. Like, yeah. we, we like to act like the civil rights movement was fucking hundreds of years ago and everything's all kumbaya, but the people that lived through it, that suffered through it, that are still suffering through it, are still alive. And they're not that old. No. Like, like, like my mother is the same age as this woman. <laughs> like, let that sink in. It, it, it's been less than a century since black people weren't allowed to vote. Remember that. So anyway... Um, but in Iran, what is not in the news, right? Like there's, you'll find some articles, but you got to go looking for it. This isn't on the nightly news. I mean, I think it's now finally starting to hit some mainstream, but it's like, this is like, you've had to actually go digging for what's going on around this happened. It was almost a week ago, yeah. uh, where a Kurdish woman and her name was, uh, Masha Amini, uh, and she was arrested by Iran's morality police because her hijab that she was wearing didn't cover all of her hair. So they literally beat her almost to death, and then she died later in the hospital from it. Yeah. Shit's been getting real ever since. Uh, this is kind of uh, a George Floyd moment where every major city in Iran is revolting, protesting. Um, the two main differences are uh, the Iranian police are being far more brutal. Uh, they're not using tear gas. They're firing ammunition into crowds and slaughtering people. Oh, yeah. uh, they've turned off all internet access in the country. Completely, yep. So it's why it's been hard to get a lot of stuff out of there. There's very few videos. Uh, the ones we are getting, there's women literally burning their hijabs in public. It's beautiful. Sh- and shaving um, their heads, too. Uh, shaving their heads, burning yep. their hijabs. The cops are shooting people. And it's yeah, it's one of those, like, man, even under worse authority, Iranians have way more balls than Americans do. There was a pic that just came out. I saw it, like, uh, on Twitter just before we started. There was a dude with his shirt off, and his entire back is just fucking peppercorn full of uh, shotgun sh- yeah. um, pelts because he was yep. blocking a group of women from being shot at. Yep. So yeah, the country's in, um, in turmoil and a lot of people don't kind of understand what's going on around. I actually wanted to, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, we haven't gotten to do a history dive and I, I'll make it brief. Um, so anybody who's looking to sleep, this is a good one to hit pause. Uh, put this on. If you're having trouble sleeping at night, you can knock out to my boring history lesson. Uh, I'm also going to bet that it won't be brief. (laughs) I'm going to try to make it brief. I really will. Um, (laughs) It might not be, but I'll I'll try not to bore the shit out of everyone for too long. People are driving cars while listening to this sometimes. I don't want to kill anyone. But it's important to know. Like This is important history to know how Iran got from where it was to here, right? Because Iran was Persia. Yeah. You know? Uh, Iraq was the Ottoman Empire, and Iran was Persia. You know, a lot of people think Iraq and Iran were 
one country. They were all part of the Persian Empire at one point, uh, but there was a split, and the current line was done by the British because that's how the Middle East was cut up. Like the, the League of Nations gave Britain the choice to start picking borders for everyone, and uh, it's actually the real reason why the Middle East is still so chaotic and so filled with war. Uh, it's because instead of creating natural borders where cultures and religions are, they drew arbitrary lines that benefited their in, their financial interests, and that didn't go so well. But anyway, so modern Iran. We're, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna talk about the fucking Byzantines, and I'm not gonna take you into BC eras. I promise. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna go into Babylon. Of course, if you want to talk about Babylon, there's some fucking fascinating goddamn history yeah. about Babylon and Iraq. My God. Anyway, which by the way was destroyed by the U.S. in the invasion. We actually turned what was most of the ancient city of Babylon into an airfield and crushed and destroyed uh, some of the world's oldest and greatest civilization treasures uh, for Bush's oil war. So, you know, go America, but Putin bad, right? Anyway, um, so we get to modern Iran, right? Like leaving the Persian Empire, that kind of thing. They, it is Iran. And that, that's in 1926. So a few years before that, right, a guy named, and you, you'll hear this name a lot, Reza, right? Reza Khan, uh, his name was, I'm going to butcher this fucking name, so motashikiram to my, my Persian friends, but Reza Khan uh, Pahlavi is, um, is the guy who basically kind of staged a coup, overthrew um, the kingdom that was there, and started his own dynasty, right? And that's where the, the, the Pahlavi dynasty starts. Um, and, you know, he was the Shah, and um, his eldest son, Muhammad Reza, is named the crown prince of the country. That's in 1926. We have a brand new monarchy. As monarchies are dying around the world, uh, Iran is actually holding on to a real one. And this is not the constitutional monarchy of Britain or Spain or anything. This is, I'm the fucking king. You know, chop off a head, bring me women, feed me grapes. You know, like actual monarchy bullshit. Um, so then, and then in 1935, because uh, at this point, they're still Persia. So in 35 is when Persia becomes Iran. And... In that time, that's when Khan's like um, approach to being a real dissident monarch is already there's already problems. 1935, so the 20th century opens with this happening, and people are pissed pretty quickly. He he's he's king for less than 10 years, and there's already riots in the streets, there's revolts. People are not happy because he's actually kind of a bastard. And then World War II hits, right? And there's a big problem here because two countries own most of the interest in Iran, and that's Britain and Germany, right? So Britain is still kind of in charge of Iran, even though Iran is technically its own nation. The, they were a protectorate of the British Commonwealth. Uh, so Britain has a lot of political power and a lot of say there and owns a lot of real estate there, but British own the oil interests and the Germans are the workers. Um, and that becomes a big fucking problem, right? And so Iran will not expel German citizens, even though the British like demanded they did, uh, because that's how the country was literally fucking running. And so basically the British and the Soviet use that as a reason to occupy Western Iran and actually invade it. And they get Russia, you know, Russia's coming from one side, Britain's coming from the other. It's kind of a, a, a Berlin situation. And the Shah is thrown out of power, right? Um, but they don't end the monarchy. They just get rid of this guy who's a really unpopular king. And his son, Mohammad Reza uh, Pahlavi, succeeds him on the throne. And then in 50 is where we get a prime minister of Iran. Um, 
And this is where you see Western powers actually start to become like allies with Iran. And I know that sounds weird and who cares? It really does come into play um, because this is where we start getting the Shah and prime ministers. And this is where it gets, this is where Iran starts leading towards a revolution. Um, so anyway, so Mohammed uh, Mosdek becomes the prime minister of Iran in 1950. And so this leads to a lot of tension between different countries around the world. And the Shah flees the country, right? Uh, this is remember the Shah is basically the king of Iran, so the Shah flees the country and goes to Iraq. <laughs> he literally stays in Iraq uh, in 1953, and then later on, basically the British and the CIA um, decide, and this is a, these documents are released, like you guys can Google this. Um, but yes, uh, the British intelligence and the U.S. CIA didn't want. Uh, Tehran, to, which is the capital of Iran, uh, Iran, uh, turning towards Russia. They didn't want them going communist. And they were really afraid because they were so anti-Western at that point because of the Shah, who was friends with the British. They didn't want another Vietnam, another North, another North Korea. They didn't want another country falling to those damn dirty reds, right? Um, of course, I'm saying this in its 1950s. It's before that. But you know my fucking point. Like we're, we're in the start of the Iron Curtain. We're in containment period. And so they didn't want that. And so we're super backing the Shah at this point. Um, and so we actually engineered a coup. Surprise, surprise. The CIA did a fucking coup. And we got rid of the prime minister and reestablished the Shah. Now, this is unpopular as fuck in Iran. People are pissed. They had one minute of an actual republic. And now we're back to a kingdom. And even though at this point we still have some tension between Iran and Iraq, it's not that bad. Um, and they are mostly both governed by like pro-Western conservative governments, right? So now this in 1951, before the Shah comes back, this is what really led the CIA and the British against him. He actually tries to nationalize the British-owned oil industry. Uh, same thing that Cuba did with the sugar plantation stuff, and same thing that Venezuela did, where they basically say that this is our oil, this is our natural resources. You don't get to just fucking steal them and get rich off them. They belong to the people. They belong to the country. So, of course, then, you know, uh, we decide to stage a coup and the Shah comes back in 53. Now, in this time, while he's in power, he's getting the U.S. and Israel and Britain to help him build a secret police force, help him build a really bad uh, situation going on there domestically. This is very much like the KGB and the, the evil things we hear about the Gestapo. It's the same kind of thing. It was an Iranian Gestapo, uh, and it's called the Savak. Um, and it's just an Iranian intelligence organization, and it is responsible for thousands of political prisoners being murdered and tortured. Uh, in jail all across Iran for having any kind of dissent. In, and now it's, the, the things are really starting to domino, right? So in, um, uh, in 58, we have the same thing happening in reverse in Iraq, right? So in 58, Iraq's monarchy falls, and they actually establish a republic. And unlike Iran, Iraq is very secular, and that was up until the end. Uh, you know, Saddam Hussein was not a crazy jihadist. He actually hated the crazy jihadists. Like he hated ISIS. He hated Al Qaeda. He was a secularist. He, he absolutely wanted a secular government that was not ruled by religious leaders. And so they created a secular Sunni government um, and they basically declared themselves the center of Arab nationalism. And that, that sounds who gives a shit, right? And here's why it's important because Iran is constantly trying to push towards a, a a religious republic, right? They want they want a democracy, well, not a democracy, but they want a republic, but they want to be a theocratic 
Republic. And uh, Iraq also sheds their monarchy, but does the opposite. They are saying this is about Arabs, not Muslims, Arabs of any religion and any kind. And this is about Arab nationalism. This is secular. This has nothing to fucking do with God. And that creates kind of a problem, especially when we have the, the Kurds and the Shiites, right? Kurds are the uh, majority in Iran, and the Shiites are the majority in Iraq. Shiites are the majority in Iraq, Kurds are the majority in Iran, and they fucking hate each other, and they're both Muslim, they just disagree on a secession of prophets. It's very Catholic-Protestant kind of bullshit, right? But that's where that fighting starts to happen. And so in the 60s, right, in Iran, the Shah, who's still a king, is desperately trying to stay relevant. This is kind of like like what we saw with, like... um, you know, the, the end of the queen's life in England, where like, especially like Princess Diana and Charles, like the, the, the monarchy is desperately trying to convince people they don't suck, right? And like, no, we're still hip, we're cool, this is a good thing, you want this? So he starts doing a modernizing campaign, kind of like Glasnost and Perestroika in Russia, but those were successful and this was not. And so he's basically, but the problem is, is to do this, it was called the White Revolution is what he called it. And to do this, really, he didn't actually go, hey, guys, McDonald's isn't bad. No, he was like, hey, we're going to be pro-Western and you don't get to keep your oil money and I'm going to murder you if you disagree. Like, so brutal secret police are sent all over the country. And remember, these guys are trained by MI6 and CIA. Uh, The country becomes filled with this this class of secret police. And while he did this, he also pissed off the clergy because he went after them, too, because he didn't want to compete with 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 muslim clergy he wanted to be the king he wanted to be he's the shah he is everything he's the end-all be-all of power and authority and so he starts locking up clergy like really starts to kind of piss off everyone he just makes terrible decisions all the time and so and by the 60s the secret police are damn near running the country so anyway um and of course iraq this only makes iraq and iran worse because iran is supporting the kurds in iraq who are being killed by the Iraqi government and the Iraqis are supporting um, uh, the Shiites who are being oppressed by the Iranian government. And so it's becoming this aiding each other's enemy thing. And that's leading to a big problem too. And now during this time, there's a head clergyman, a Shiite clergyman and his name, and you've heard the name Ayatollah, right? <clears throat> the word Ayatollah just basically is saying Islamic Pope, basically it's like a Supreme leader. And if you ever see pictures of these guys, they all look like evil wizards. But Grand Ayatollah Syed, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fuck up his name, okay? But he has seven names. But the point is, it's Khomeini, Ayatollah Khomeini, and he has been an enemy of the Shah the whole fucking time. So he gets exiled. He gets kicked out for 14 fucking years. He spends most of his time in Iraq, um, and then they didn't like him anymore. So he got kicked out again later, and he's in exile. This is very Lenin in Germany, right? And then in '79. The Shah has to fucking flee Iran. Like, shit gets so bad. There's so many protests, so many riots in the streets. The fucking Shah actually has to flee the country. And this is mid-January of 79. And shit starts to get real. So this is the Iranian revolution right here. And this is what changed Iran forever. Uh, This is why you'll see pictures of Iran in the 60s and 70s. And you see women without hijabs on, wearing jeans, going to fucking college, working jobs. Like, people were dating. Like, Iran had become a modern Western-like country uh, because of this. And it was a white revolution that even though it, it came at the cost of a lot of political prisoners and torture, that's where they were headed. And... Everything falls apart in 79. So obviously January, people are just really fucking tired of this asshole because 
it's not just the secret police. It's the fact that he's literally selling out all natural resources in the country of Britain and the United States. Uh, everyone is getting to, to figure out that the CIA and the, and the British government is running the country uh, with him on the throne as a puppet. And they're seeing that he's just an absolute puppet of the West. I mean, you can look at video footage of him getting grand tours of Disneyland and he's the hero of America. And remember, Iran's been really fucked over by the U.S. and the British. They're not liking this. The people are pissed. So after he flees the country in February, uh, this is where Ayatollah Khomeini comes back in, right? This 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 super duper Iran pope. He's in France where he's hanging out, with, being protected by a bunch of Muslim people. And he comes back into the country and he starts going, hey, we should have a fucking revolution and we should get rid of this shit, right? And by April, the revolution's over. The Ayatollah becomes the supreme leader of the country. Uh, Iran declares itself a theocratic republic and that it will be guided only by Islamic principles. You know, they have a referendum. They actually officially change the name of the country to not Iran, but the country's official name is the Islamic Republic of Iran. So, like, they are a theocracy, not just in practice, but even in name. They're not fucking around here. And this is where we get the morality police, right? So we already have a secret police force that the Shah has been abusing all people around the country with. And they turn it to the morality police. So now these guys aren't just in charge of political dissonance. These guys are here to make sure that people are operating under Sharia law, that they are women are walking behind their husbands and they're never going out without an escort. I mean, there's a lot of oppression of women here at this point. Um, they have to keep their heads and hair covered at all times. That's where we have here what this case is going on now is she was beaten to death by the morality police. This is where they came from. The Iranian Revolution birthed these guys from the evil secret police from earlier. By the end of the year, uh, in November, this is where you have that very famous Iranian hostage crisis. And this is the same year. Remember, the revolution's just happened. Right. The revolution happens in early 79. And here we are at the end of 79. And now Islamic students who are obviously put forth by the government, these guys are armed, backed and supported by the Ayatollah. Uh, they storm the U.S. embassy in the capital, Tehran, uh, which is unheard of. Who fucking storms a U.S. embassy in the capital? Um, they take uh, 52 Americans hostage. There's been movies about it. You can read up on this anytime you want. But basically, they take a bunch of American hostages and they demand that the Shah is brought back to the country to face judgment. Uh, because at this point, he's in the U.S. He's in exile and he's literally getting a, I can't remember if it was kidney treatment or cancer or whatever. But he was getting medical treatment in the U.K. and the U.S. And he was in the U.S. with life-saving medical treatment here because obviously we didn't like the Ayatollah. So the hostage situation, you know, is basically the reason why the U.S. and Iran are now mortal enemies. Uh, the hostages are actually held for over a year. It was exactly 444 days. Uh, and there's actually funny thing to what read up on. There is evidence now to support that the Reagan campaign was meeting up with the hostage takers to actually thwart Carter's attempts to release them. That's right. And remember, anything bad is President Reagan's fault. Carter was desperately trying to get the hostages released and the Reagan election campaign was working with these guys to keep them held so that Carter could not get them out and they wouldn't be released until Reagan was in office. One of the things that made Carter look really weak and helped Reagan win the election. So yes, Reagan held 52 American hostages willing to have them killed just so he could win the election. Reagan is the most evil president in U.S. history, maybe next to Andrew Jackson. Not sure. It's a tie-up. So that's what happened. So anyway, they're finally let go, but it's still a bad situation. So now we get night, and then it happens at the end of 79. Now we're in 1980, right? 
uh, Reagan's in power and um, the U.S. and Iran actually severed diplomatic ties. So Reagan gets in power. They get released and Reagan's like, fuck Iran. They don't exist. And we sever all ties. And Iran, in a, in a fuck you move back, turns the U.S. embassy grounds into a training ground for the Revolutionary Guard Corps. Iran is still pissed that they don't have the Shah, and then he dies uh, while he's in exile in Egypt. Uh, so he's gone. With him is the monarchy gone, and now the Islamic Republic of Iran is permanent. And while this happens, uh, now Saddam Hussein's in power in Iraq. Basically, they're having some border disputes, because remember, this is a border drawn up by the British. It doesn't actually represent what should be a border between the two nations. And so they end up going to war over it. Iraq actually had obviously was obviously a wealthier nation, had a larger military, and it was supposed to be kind of a slam dunk, did not work that well. He also thought the Iranian revolution was terrible because it was making all the super religious nut jobs in Iraq, not like the democracy there, or not democracy, not like the republic. Um, and so he wanted to fucking put the smack down on them. But it wasn't. Uh, basically, like the army was supposed to be in shambles, but they were super rallied to defend their country and it got really bad um and then obviously we got involved because you know there can't be a war that doesn't involve the u.s right we have to stick our dick in everything the west supports iraq right so we knew that if we funded the guys who were fucking with iran iran couldn't export the revolution everywhere else because remember that's what we're terrified of for some reason the united states is absolutely horrified by the idea that another people or another country could possibly have an ideology or a system of government or a system of capital that is different than ours. So we have the Red Scare, we have to have containment, we can't stop the Soviet Union, and the same thing. They don't want the Iranian Revolution spreading to other Middle Eastern countries. What if all the Muslims around the world rise up against us? Oh my God. And so we're definitely going to pay to have them killed. Basically, um, in 75, the U.S. government uh, had already been helping Iraq get technology to build chemical weapons. You know, so this is where the, 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 you know, when Bush invades Iraq and says they have chemical weapons, that's because we built chemical weapons plants and gave them chemical weapons. Uh, he didn't have them later because they went bad and he didn't want to spend the money on them anymore after the war was done. But during the war, we absolutely gave Iraq chemical fucking weapons and they used them. So it was real bad. The war was absolutely bloody. Both countries' economies were absolutely tanked. It's one of the things that led to the Iraq invasion of Kuwait. Over a million people are dead. Like, it was real fucking bad, and it went on for eight goddamn years. It was a brutal war. I remember I was a little kid. I had no idea. I remember seeing pictures of the Iran-Iraq war. It was their Vietnam. It was just gross, and it was awful. And during this, in the midst of this war, in 1985, and this is where we get the Iran-Contra scandal, this is when, now ever, we are supporting Saddam Hussein, right? We are saying Iraq, they're the good guys. They're not a theocracy. They are a secular government, and they're against this awful Ayatollah and Iranian problem. And so we are going to fund them and give them weapons and do all the stuff, and we're going to help them while we're doing that. And of course, you know, it's illegal to sell weapons to an enemy. We have Iran as the enemy of the country. And so basically... Uh, in 85, seven American hostages are taken by Iranian-backed militants in Lebanon. And remember, this is Reagan who's willing to hold people hostage and let them die. He doesn't care about American lives. Well, now this he's the president. This isn't Carter's president anymore. This looks fucking bad on him. Uh, so he then goes and says, okay, I'm going to sell weapons to Iran in exchange to get those seven hostages released. And then I'm going to use the money to fund Contras in South America who are raping death squads. 
And that's the Iran Contra scandal. That's where that's where Reagan commits high treason and actually gives aid and sells weapons to Iran while we are on the side of Iraq, defying the Pentagon. Um, and that's that's what brings us to modern day. Not much has happened between then. There have been obviously changes of powers. We have a new Ayatollah. We have a new you know prime ministers. Uh, we um, but that is where we get to modern Iran, and that's where they've sat. Uh, they they Iran Iraq war ended in a truce, and although Iran and Iraq don't like each other, they're not going to go to war anytime fucking soon. Um, and they've hated the United States ever since because we meddled in their affairs. We have always funded their enemies. Which we we kept a shot in power when the people didn't want it. And so why did we have that stupid long history lesson, right? The reason why is we have to ask, why is Iran the way it is? Because plenty of places in the Middle East are hardcore conservative, hardcore theocracies. But why is Iran so brutal? And this is why. Because the people of Iran had to choose between Western countries and powers and the CIA and MI6 stealing their oil stealing their food, robbing them blind with a king that was a puppet leader or the Ayatollah who's hardcore and fucked up, but at least he's caring about the country hypothetically. And at least he's Iranian and at least no Western power is bribing him, right? The Ayatollah is fucked up, but at least he's a true believer. And so they had that choice of, do we get controlled by a puppet government or do we take the evil that's homegrown? Um, and that's the one that won out in the revolution because there was no opposing force. There was no third way of saying, hey, let's have an Iranian democracy. Wouldn't that be cool? No one was doing that. We had the evil fucking king who was selling everyone out to the West, or we had the evil fucking space wizard Ayatollah who was going to keep all the money and resources for the people. And so people chose him. And instead of ending the secret police and the brutality, he continued it going. And the only reason why that was allowed to continue for so long is because we made sure, as the United States, Britain, NATO, we made sure that the only other choice they had was to be robbed blind by us. There was no third option. They were never going to have independence. They either had to be that awful cesspool of murder and rape and torture, or they had to be sold out to the West. And that's the problem with colonialism. That's where it really comes down to is colonialism breeds this, this extremism. All of our enemies are poor and mad and extreme because that's the dichotomy we shove them into. And so now, fast forward, you know, that's the late 80s, right? The 90s, nothing fucking changes. In the 2000s, we see like kind of the green movement. We see, you know, there is a little bit of unrest. Iranians are starting to finally decide in mass that this is a fucking problem. We don't like it. Uh, the Iranian government is obviously cracking down terribly. And dissent quells a little bit, but we're already starting to see there's a cultural shift coming. And this is where it gets to good news. This is their fucking George Floyd moment. So this, this innocent woman has some hair sticking out of her, her job. She's not issued a fine. She's beaten to death. And who knows what else, because we don't actually know what the morality police did to her. I'm sure it was far worse than that. And then she dies in the hospital. And Iranian women have lived in terror ever since the revolution. They have lived in terror for almost 50 years. You can read accounts, books, and there's all kinds of, and these are not like propaganda. This is not pro-Western propaganda. You can read anti-Western propaganda, or propaganda, sorry, Kay. Ugh. You can read anti-Western authors' books and stories about how, no, the U.S. is not perfect or good at all, but the Ayatollah is also fucking evil, and here's the oppression we're going under. And that's how we got here. And so the next question is, how do we fix it? 
And I think we're seeing the seeds of that right now. I wasn't wrong. That was very long, but you know what? Uh, that's not a fault. Sorry. Of Chris. No, 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 that was, that's not a fault of Chris. And the reason I knew that wasn't a dig at Chris when I was saying it was going to be long. It's these situations and these histories are very nuanced and complicated. Uh, they aren't simple. You can't just digest them in a 10 minute soundbite. You need to go. And even what Chris did is a, in an infinitely condensed version of what actually happened. Um, and it just so happens that I think it's actually kind of convenient given that we're having this discussion. Um, my daughter needed to be fed. So my wife brought her in and she's joining us here. If you guys hear any background noise, that is my beautiful little girl. Start them young. But it actually brings up an interesting segue. And I think one of the reasons why I'm so vehemently anti-conservatism is because say what you will, the shit that's going on with morality police in Iran, this is the future conservatives in the U.S. want. This is what they want. They want people to be policed and how they live, what they wear, what they think, what they say. And the reason I'm so vocally against it, and even in some ways, I'm 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 not trying. It's not a competition, but like I I, I won't even have conversations with right wingers anymore. I will give it to Chris. He has more, in this respect. He has more patience since I've still seen him manage to have these conversations. So I can't do it. The moment I find out a person is conservative, they're written off. Like I I have an uncle I don't speak to anymore because he's conservative and he's a piece of shit. And and he's keep in mind he's a center right conservative. He's a George Bush conservative. I still think he's an awful piece of shit. Um, I have friends that good friends that I was friends with for years that I've had to kind of just let go because I cannot just from a moral standpoint, if you fundamentally believe that the only way to prevent abortions is to strip a woman of their right to choose, I can't be your friend. I can't engage with you. I can't even acknowledge a relationship by blood because Agreed. you're a more, you're a morally reprehensible person. I, I can't do it. And, I, and, I, and I'm bringing it back to the U.S., you know, just kind of because this happened. But, like, this kind of horrible shit has been going on. And, again, like Chris said, it's the George Floyd moment. They're tired of it. And this is the kind of revolution that I think we need to have in the U.S. here. Look what they're doing. A woman was murdered for her hijab. One mo- woman for, for not wearing a hijab properly. Like, it was on her head. It was just not covering all of her hair. And so... But here in the U.S., what did the left promise for years would happen if Roe v. Wade was overturned? Riots. That's what every liberal was talking about. There'll be riots in the streets. What were the fucking riots? Not from liberals. Not 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 from uh, progressives. None of them. They were silent. All they did is bitch and moan. Yeah. And, and we were told, like, oh, if they take away a woman's right to body autonomy, blah, 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 like... We're going to riot. We're going to burn this mother down. But it's like they don't. And it's like, here's here's like everyone take a look at Iranian women and what they are doing. And we were talking earlier about like, you know, women not getting credit for revolutions. The Iranian women are leading the way. Most revolutions are led by women. Um, Histories are written about men. Revolutions are led by women. And they're just being badasses. And I would I, I wish we could get that kind of energy and motivation here in America. And we just can't. We are just letting them take it and take it and take it. And this is what the conservatives want. This is what the right wing wants. They want women to be breeding material. I mean, this is 
a lot of people, I think, don't see the implications because, and again, this is why we go into the long history of Iran is how did we fucking get here? Because it's an important tale. It's an important caution because, yes, the revolution happened overnight, but there was longstanding grievances that led to it and people allowed it to happen. Sometimes it happens in, in landslides and sometimes it happens slowly, but this is what the right wants. They want total control and they want a submissive and second-class citizenry of women. And to do that, taking away things like abortion is the first step. The next thing is getting rid of the right to divorce and things like that because if you can force a woman to carry a baby, right, if you can take away her ability to decide whether or not she gives birth, you take away her freedom because now she's a child. So now career is going to be hard. Money is going to be hard. You're making her dependent on family and especially spouses and male spouses because part of this is always getting rid of gay marriage as well the same people who want to take away women's body autonomy don't want women to be anything other than slaves to men the point is to create them as a secondary subhuman second class citizenry that's what this is where they want to go the, the right wing wants this what iran has they want secret police they want a strong man leader and they want women to shut up and breed and that's why I think if I could postulate an answer why we don't see this energy in Americans is because we still have too much fucking freedoms and liberties. Women aren't being beaten to death for showing their hair. And so they're comfortable enough. They're willing to let this slide. They're going to be mad. Women all across America are fucking pissed and rightfully so, but they're not willing to burn this mother down. They're not willing to risk their careers. They're not willing to risk their safety. Neither are the men. No one is really willing to get dirty over this, even though we should. This country should be in full fucking revolution for what the Supreme Court did to us. But we're not, because everyone's too comfortable. And it's how it always goes. And I, 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 I wish people would learn from history in this way, that you don't have to wait until it gets this bad. You can see it coming. We're watching a rise of fascism in this country. We're watching anti-Semitism on the rise. We're watching homophobia on the rise. We're watching trans people getting murdered. Like We are seeing this all over the country and all over the world, and it's coming. And we have a forecast. The storm is on its way. We can see the fucking clouds in the horizon, and we just won't get in the goddamn storm basement. We won't burn this mother down, and it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better as long as we have this. Well, I have a nice living room, and I don't want to lose comfortability because I have kids, I have a spouse, I have this thing. It's like we all do, but we need to learn from Iran. Like, what they're doing right now is beautiful, and I don't know if this is going to be the tipping point. Who knows? Uh, I'm a student of history. I'm not a fortune teller. I don't know. This could lead to a full-on revolution and cultural reform. This could go the way of the Arab Spring and be squashed. Chances are it'll be squashed because Iran is really good at squashing dissent, but maybe it won't be. And even if it's not, we are leading an entire generation of Iranians who are burning their fucking hijabs and that hasn't happened since the last century that's amazing women shaving their fucking head that's beautiful that takes courage because this is not burning bras right and you know and a lot of boomers like well i burned my bra in the 70s yeah but you weren't going to get raped to death for it the police were not gonna, well if you were white the police weren't going to come and kill you over it 
right? Most white women were safe enough to know they could do it. They could have a piece of protest. And there was a good chance the government wasn't going to abjectly murder them outright in public for it. In Iran, these women don't have that option. They are burning hijabs in the street while they are being shot with live browns from police. So remember, ACAB doesn't stop at the border, first of all. But number two, because uh, remember, it's not an American thing. Police are on the wrong side of history, no matter the country or culture. The A stands for all, guys. But on top of that, this is this is ultimate risk. These these women, these insanely brave and badass Iranian women are putting their lives on the line to not be controlled in this way anymore. And it's fucking beautiful. And I really hope this continues. And I really hope the West can fucking learn something. I don't know if we will, because all we want to do is worship Ukraine. And we don't want to look at what's going on in Iran and saying, holy shit, because again, this is a people who are being oppressed by the government rising up. That is something American leadership does not want you to talk about. So we're going to focus on Ukraine. We're going to keep this out of mainstream news as long as possible. We are going to downplay it, and we are not going to support these people. You are not going to see Joe Biden sending military supplies to the people in Iraq revolting. And we should. They deserve it, and they're amazing. And so everyone, take a look at what's going on. Read as much as you can about it. Watch the videos of these insanely badass brave women burning their shit. Um, and take note, because this is how it's done. And it's nice to see some fucking good news once in a while. And Iran is going through another major cultural shift, and it's shifting in the right direction. And I think it's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's great. I mean, as soon as I started reading about what what these protests were about, it warmed my heart, man. It, it made me feel good. Also, a little bit jealous. Like, like not that not that I think that uh, they have it any better than us over there at, in Iran, but I like to see that kind of just like, no, this is enough is enough. We're not going to take this anymore. Warms my heart. I want to. I want to see that here. You know, it, it, it's. Yeah. I keep thinking, you know, not not to always take it to a nerd place, but I keep thinking of that quote from Star Wars. It's like, so this is how liberty dies with thunderous applause. And that's what it feels like in the U.S. a lot of times. Like right after right is getting stripped away. And as long as white people get brunch, nobody seems to care enough to do anything about it. But to bring it back to Star Wars, I see this. I think there's hope. A new hope, I would say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think I, I, I really am, am fucking rooting for them, big time. I would really like to see this this fucking flow, and I would like to see this continue, and I would like it just to be amazing. Uh, so, Iran, my fucking heart is with you. Um, Iranian women, you're incredible. Uh, you're absolutely incredible. Lead a revolution and then teach us how. That would be great. Uh, but that's what's going on in the world, and that's what you need to be aware of. So I hope if anybody was confused as to what's happening around, I hope my boring-ass lesson helped. If not, feel free to comment if I got anything wrong or if you didn't like it. Uh, shoot us an email. Tell us suck. Um, but I hope this convinced you to look into it. And remember, look past headlines. That's the theme of this, if we could ever have one for this episode, is look past the headlines. Look past propaganda, and especially look for the news that's real. Don't just take what your government is spoon feeding you. Look into what is happening in, in these places and why it's happening. This is why history is important. People think it's boring and it is, but it's important. And to, if you don't realize how we got to where we are, you can't prevent it. It's a cautionary tale about religious fundamental extremism. And it is a cautionary tale about 
overwatching government control, and it is most definitely a cautionary tale against colonialism. Um, so tell us what you thought. Shoot us an email. And uh, and while we're talking about emails, uh, I have heard in the rumor mill that uh, somebody hates me. Tell me all about it. <laughs> not, not at all, actually. This is from uh, Basehead Vey. You may have seen it in our Twitter chat and something I just wanted to bring up because I thought it was kind of cool. Um, she sent us that art that article about Measure ULA. Have you? Did you ever get a chance to check that out, or did you have you? Heard I did about not. It? I, I have been. Work has been insane. I have barely been on Twitter. So it's it's a new ballot measure that proposes to increase transfer tax rates in the city of Los Angeles on real estate sales valued at like five million or more. And the long and the short yes. of it is, yeah, they're going to be doing it so that they can like all that money will be put towards solving the housing crisis, low income housing, um, things like that, which I think is just amazing. And, and I didn't know this was even on the ballot, so I wanted to give her a shout out for sharing that with us. Fuck yeah, that is an amazing measure. I need to look into that because that's actually fucking great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I just wanted to give a quick shout out. I, I love getting stuff like that. Even if you don't have questions or comments on, on the episode topics or things like that, if you guys have interesting things that you want to shoot us, um, she, Ash, sorry, okay. Uh, Basehead Faye does that. Uh, our boy, uh, Stoffer, he sends us stuff. Stoffy. Okay. Damn it. Our I don't boys. know why no one understands his name but me. It's it's Stoffy. I, I Stoffy. don't know why I'm always bringing. I'm, I'm always brushing uh, up on that. It's all good. Stoffy, hey, cut I'm that here for you. No, don't cut it. Don't cut it. <laughs> Let Stoffy know I'm his boy. Uh, I don't know why I can't get that right. And I'm the one that talks to him the most. I feel like such a idiot. But our boy Stoffy sends us stuff regularly, and and Stoffy, I don't always reply, and Chris doesn't always reply, but we do get those, and we appreciate it. Um, Absolutely, I love know, when so, people email us and tweet us. Yeah, when it's just random, even if it's just random, like, hey, this is going on in my ne- neck of the woods, or hey, I thought you might like this in your area. It's fucking awesome. Or I saw this. What's your guys' opinion on it? Yeah, absolutely. Love Throw that it to stuff. us. We would yeah. love to. So keep sending it in. Matt will bring it here and we'll talk about it. If you have something you want us to talk about on the show, I would, I would love nothing more if people gave us like quick fire topics to talk about in the show and we can like end the show with like, okay, this person said, what the fuck do you think about this? You know, that would be yeah. awesome. I would, I would love more of those. So those Amen, are great brother. Amen. But anyway, we'll be back next week. Uh, three men strong. Kay will recover. Um, we, I, I don't I mean, I'm assuming he's still alive. I don't know. I threw a bunch of orange juice down in the basement, so I'm assuming he'll make it. I heard some rumbling down there. I think he's okay. Yeah. All right. Good to go. We'll bring, so we'll he'll some crackers tomorrow. I don't know if this thing sounds polished. Kay's alive. If it sounds absolutely terrible with 10,000 outtakes and a really long intro that doesn't make sense. Uh, Kay's dead. Uh, rip. So <laughs> we'll all be back. We love you guys. You're amazing. Don't forget to to turn on and tune in, man, because shit is, shit is o- not always bad. Sometimes the bad stuff leads to good. And uh, this is a hell of a story, and you should keep following it, and we will too. Uh, until then, be like the fucking women of Iran and take care of yourselves. Take care of each other because the revolution is you and them. 